Every man podcast. Every man. You know what it is, brother Jay. What's up, Daryl Campbell? How are you, man? Dude, man, I'm with my bro right now, so I'm living large. Yeah, we're having a good time here. We're having a good old time here. It's a uh, cool brother, Jay. Yeah, that's right. New coined a new uh, new term. Pick picking up a couple lately. Uh, Jay Bird is another one I picked up recently. I kind of like that Whoa, one too. Who did the Jay Bird? Yeah, one of my colleagues. He called me Jay Bird, and I was like, dude, I, all these years, nobody's ever hit me with that. What? I like it. I know. Did, did you like it? Was yeah, it, I kind of like the feel... idea of being a bird. You know what I mean? Did, did you know you what I'm saying? Empowered. You feel? You, I, I felt, felt free. Empowered. I felt free. Dude, that is pretty awesome. I don't know if it's better than Brother Jay, though. Brother Jay just has this kind of smooth kind of No, it's definitely, it. yeah. I mean, especially coming from you, bro. But uh, yeah, you know, it's good to have uh, it's good to have uh, flexibility in your nicknames. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's good stuff. So how was your Thanksgiving, man? Everything good? Yeah, dude. So, like, you know, as always, I'm just thankful for my wife and my family and you, Brother Jay. Righteous. And even, you know what, I'll tell you what, it's, you don't think about it too much until you see, you know, your babekins, like, putting together all of this food and working at the same time and handling catering jobs and doing spin classes and just just absolutely rocking it and then she still finds a way to make a meal that like could feed to like cities um just for like me and my son and and her obviously and you know what man it's just just really cool so I, if i'm to, without beating around the bush my thanksgiving was flipping awesome bro it That's was wonderful. awesome That's I, I think i gained about 20 pounds i'm pretty sure i did and i'm gonna have to work it off these next couple weeks yeah, you know, I'm curious uh, the amount of uh, food a man your size, you know, eats at Thanksgiving. I can only assume uh, at least a 30-pound turkey. Well, I, I guess I'll I put it to you like this. You ever play those, like, MMORPGs? Uh, and you know how, like, they don't, like, list the, like, food that you intake. Like, get the little items, like, for, you know, just get your HP back and your mana, if you will. Yes, of um, course. They're, they're rations. Right, right, like, right. They're large. Plus 50, the plus 250. Right, like that. Like, I mean, if you, you were to, you know, equate those to real life, probably be in pounds, right? Mm-hmm. I, I eat rations, several rations a day, several pounds of day, a day. It's of, easier to measure by poundage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would think so, too. Our rations are robust. Like, yeah. I could count all of these Big Mac wrappers, or I could just tell you eight pounds. Or you can just say, okay, well, you know, if you go and you get like the bundle box, right? A normal person's family, they get a bundle box, right? Of course. I'll get a couple bundle boxes for me. Yeah, just a couple. That's that would those would be my rations. I had three rations. Each ration equals a bundle box. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you had yourself a meal. Uh, I do not envy your toilet. Um, no, you don't know. It is a. So just, there's some going on. I, I peel back porcelain, bro. I'm serious with it. Like, I mean, it doesn't go out easy. It, it, some, some deep deployment going on there, man. Deep, deep deployment. Well, I'll yeah. tell you what. Speaking of deep deployment, I had myself uh, a bit of a uh, weekend. Did you? I did. I went. Uh, tell us about it. I went. Uh, I went down to the Between the Bear to Me show, uh, the Bear. Fillmore. In lovely uh, near near Fishtown off uh, off of Frankfurt Ave, and. Uh, you know, I've been there a couple times, and this was the first time that. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. I've been backstage there before, but this is the first time I've spent uh, 
a considerable amount of time in their accommodations to see how the how the rock stars of the world are, are treated. And uh, I gotta say, it's a it's a lovely place. They have a, a great great green room. Um, of course, uh, my friends Dusty and uh, Blake, and between the Barry to me and other those boys, Tommy, all the guys have been the Everman. Uh, this time it was Paul Wagner's turn. So Paul is our guest on, on the show, and we'll get to that here in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. But they they invited myself down, get down to the uh, Fillmore, and uh, unfortunately it's freezing rain. It sucks. Weather sucks. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Quickly, we get in the building, we find our way in. It's always like kind of a trick because you got to, sometimes we're there so early that there's no security guy and the door's just <laughs> wide open and you just walk in. There um, you go. And um, this time, of course, in the freezing rain, it's one of those times where I got to go through the proper protocol, you know, which of right. course is a good thing. Right. So I commend you on that, Fillmore. Thank you for, uh, you know, keeping an eye on security there for our boys. Mm-hmm. So we get in and uh, head right to the green room. Paul is uh, enjoying some vegan. Uh, we talk a lot about plant-based diet and uh, being vegan, and um, it's a really cool conversation we have here. But uh, so Paul's enjoying some local uh, vegan wings, and, and we're watching, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Philadelphia Eagles. We're watching, you know, them get just <laughs> trounced by Ryan Bro. Fitzpatrick, and the and the Dolphins are just balling out they're just throwing it Balled. i think it has something to do with the teal throwbacks anyway i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but that so we're watching the, we're watching football we're switching over the steelers game watching you know shout out to duck uh mm-hmm. duck hodge is going to lead the steelers to a uh, you know saturday night afc round uh wild card round loss um, really looking forward to that evening of uh, activity so Duck's leading the way, and uh, you know Paul and I go have this uh, interview that we we went about you know hour long plus and went over everything, got some great fan questions. Nice leads me to the show. The show is fantastic. Uh, intervals opened, and uh, they are an instrumental group. And uh, if you guys are into you know this kind of music, obviously Dream Theater, Between the Barry to Me, Contortionist, whatever, they're definitely up your alley. Uh, you probably already know about them though. And then uh, Between the Barry to Me comes on, dude. They sound incredible uh the light show is amazing and usually um i kind of go all over like i kind of stick in one spot when i watch them i'm I'm usually like somewhere close to the band Mm -hmm. and this time um i my my friends um you know who i want to shout out you know uh, pat and vaughn mark uh steli of course steli came to bt bam nice they all joined us and uh, Jose, of course, you know, is, is uh, leading the way, having a good time, rocking out, getting selfies with everybody. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the selfie king. And um, we're all enjoying the show together. So it's something that, like, we've all been going to these shows since we were in high school. So, you know, right. Thanksgiving break, it, it, they're, they're here, they're home. So that was really awesome to see the show with all, with all the boys. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're enjoying that. But then we started just go, we went up to the VIP balcony on the left side and then we started watching on the right side and then we're, you know, going all over the place cause, uh, you know, they gave us a pass so we could see from all over and everywhere we went, they sounded awesome. They're, you know, they're at the top of their game as always this is the third time I've seen them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and every time is better than the last. They just did a, they just did a tour in Europe where they're playing two hour sets, bro. Just wow. shredding for two hours straight. No, you know, no. So I mean they're they're like they're in their prime right now you know what I mean they were they were killing wanging it out wanging out they Love were it. they were wanging out so uh, you know then the mighty Chan uh, came on after them and uh, they they killed it they did an awesome light show and Chan's a great another great instrumental group 
um, and uh, got to you know catch up with Tommy, who you know who's yeah new to the show. He just been checking it out. Tommy was on um, earlier uh, in August, and you can check that out in the archives. And uh, Dan Briggs says he's he's going to be the the he's like the fifth piece of Voltron here. He's going to be mm-hmm. uh, joining uh, the show here in the future. So we're going to have uh, everybody getting their kind of uh, spin on uh, they're getting their take on on what's up with BT Bam. So awesome interview with Paul. Wonderful day, Paul. I want to say um, about Paul is you can hear he's a gentleman he's a very intelligent guy mm-hmm. he's very um all of the bt bam guys are very they've got that southern charm mm-hmm. you know what i mean they're mm-hmm. good old boys as they say yeah, that's it man you know that's sweet it. tea that kind nothing of thing. wrong with that nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with sweet tea you know what i mean mm-hmm. so they they're all got that kind of just uh genuineness to them if mm-hmm. and if that makes sense and you know at this point i've spent so much time around them and seen them interact with people like that's really who they are you know so to get them for get somebody like paul for an hour and a half of his time on a you know on a rainy sunday he could be talking to his wife or you know working on his business nightflyer roast works down there in charlotte uh which we we talk about at length he gave us his time and uh, really got into some cool stuff. So I, I really appreciate it. And uh, Paul, you're, you're a gentleman and a scholar. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting to check out your coffee in person at some point uh, down there in Charlotte. So I think, uh, you know, next time, hopefully uh, we can get you there, brother. And Yeah, uh, man. We'll shred. Up to you, Paul. I'm going to be hanging with you and the rest of the BT BAM crew uh, next, next gig, man. Next go round. Yeah, we're going to do something special. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Enjoy the show. Um, to everybody who got their questions in on Reddit, thank you very much. Um, the Everyman Podcast now has its own subreddit, so are the Everyman Podcast. Go over there, check it out if you're listening to the podcast and you're a Reddit user. That's where we're going to start kind of centralizing uh, posts about questions for guests and clips from the shows and little things like that. So check that out. And uh, I think with that, we should take it to our interview with Paul Wagner from Between the Bear to Me. Go get it. Today on the Everyman Podcast, we are here live in the lovely brick-walled and chalk-board-finished production room of the Fillmore in Philadelphia, and my guest today is none other than Between the Bear to Me's Paul Wagner. Paul? Welcome to the Everyman. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This is great. Appreciate it. This is great. We got we got some Lacroix. We got some some water. We're hydrated. We're gonna big time party. Big time, big, big time, time party. Water, big time water party. Big time water party. Flavored water. 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 You know mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? Yeah, this is. Um, I really like the Fillmore. This is a cool a cool venue. I've uh, I've seen you guys here before with uh, August Burns Red. Mm-hmm. About this time, it was maybe two years ago, Christmas time. Yeah, that's actually the only other time we've we've played this room. So this is, uh, we're not super familiar with it here, but, um, it is really, it is a beautiful venue. Yeah. I was here in, uh, April. They had a WWE wrestling show in here, believe it or not. Interesting. Yeah. It was a cool setup for that. Yeah. That sounds you know? awesome. Yeah. They can, they can do it all here. Um, so, so we're here between the Barry on tour and on a co-headlining tour with Sean. It, uh, you guys just released the great Mr. Act remaster. You're hot. You're ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. 
what's going on man what's what's been uh what's what's going on on the tour how's everything going everything's great this is like a super uh, super chill tour the other bands are are very good and they're very very good people uh intervals um is playing as well hello um um and uh and Chan, of course if, if you know anything about them they're like gnarly just super good players but also just good good kids I feel like I can call them kids. I'm a lot well, of, they are. I mean, I call. I would call them kids. Yeah. You know, they're young, um, young boys. <clears throat> so it's just a cool. It's just an easy tour, and we're, and we're sort of kind of winding down on this tour cycle. So it's, um, it's just a, it's just an easy tour for us to do right now, which is great because we just did a, a European tour, which is is you know, it's kind of a grind over there. Um, so to do this tour, it's it's a lot more relaxed, a lot more chill, and uh, the shows are great. So it's 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 a good one yeah i've been keeping up with it on social media and you know seeing seeing dusty's videos of the crowds and stuff and you know denver looked like you guys had a had a killer show there and you know brooklyn last night and you were at sayerville right this this friday usually i, I try to hit uh i try to hit a couple when, when you guys do these uh multiple shows but um yeah it's 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 great to see you guys wind down the year and i think this is like the third probably third show i've seen this year Starting with the uh, the bowling alley over in Asbury. Oh yeah, Love that's that. a cool venue, dude. Yeah, that was a really. cool I'm sitting there having a milkshake. I know, yeah. Bowling, watching bowling, the boys, watching you know, heavy metal. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I did love. I love playing there. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. We're they're starting to really like. I, I was reading that. Uh, oh, sorry, playing a little footsie <laughs> there. <laughs> we are. Yeah. yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, it's, uh, <laughs> the water's getting to me. But uh, yeah, I've seen how concert venues now are really outpacing, you know, sporting events and everything else, and they're really starting to invest in that in, in smaller arenas, uh, you know, that aren't in the Enormo Dome, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you think about it, most bands, most touring, well, for one thing, you know, the only way for, for musicians to really make a living at this level is to tour. Right. So there has to be venues that they can play, um, that we can play. And, um, you know, the, the reality is most musicians, most bands are not, playing are not going to draw 10,000, 20,000 people. So right. there needs to be kind of mid-size, um, you know, club level venues. Um, they need to exist. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, there's a demand for them to be kind of nice, you know? Um, so it's, it is cool. You're seeing a lot more kind of mid-size, uh, venues that are, that are nice, that are accommodating, that are comfortable for, for not only the bands, but the, the you know the the patrons as well yeah. and that's really cool you know there's there's a downside to that you know i mean a lot of <laughs> it's become a, a little bit monopolized by a, by a particular company yeah. but who um, shall not be named yeah um but you know that's that's a whole other thing i mean that's just cap- capitalism at work but yeah um but as a as a musician you know it is nice to to know that there are outlets for for this kind of music that and we can we can get in, get a van, a van or a bus or whatever, and and travel the country and, and play shows and make a living. So that's really kind of comforting to know that there's that there's money being invested and that there's you know an emphasis put on um, these kinds of venues and these size venues because that's our bread and butter. You know? And they're popping up all over the place. And you know, a place like Philly, they you talk about venues. You know, we just the Trocadero just closed this year. I don't even know that. I don't yeah. Think. I mean, you guys, I mean, you had to have played there. I, I know <laughs> I've seen you there and, you know, Summer Slaughters and things like that. And, you know, I grew up 
going to so many shows there. Yeah. I, my band playing shows there. And, uh, you know, just things happen. And unfortunately, they, you know, they, they go the way they do. And I'm sure somebody else will come along and pick it up or whatever. But, um, you know, on the same note, you know, I just saw Tool and uh, up at the Prudential Center in Newark. And it, it kind of blew my mind. And I talked about it on uh, previous episodes where I've always been interested in this kind of progressive, deeper, heavier music, you know, that's not... It's hard to explain to people why you like it, let alone why they should come see your band play. You know what I mean? But um, seeing Tool pack in 20-some thousand people into a fucking hockey rink, yeah. you know what I mean? And the and the and what their kind of messaging is and their imagery and all that stuff, it's like, well, you know, is this an anomaly or are there really this many people that are kind of looking for this experience? So it's like, well, maybe there's not a lot that can do 10,000, but maybe in... You know, maybe another 20 years, you know, maybe BT Bam is in that, that spot. Do you ever think about that? I don't. I don't I don't think that's the I don't think that would ever happen with BT Bam. I think Tool is an anomaly. I think they exist outside of really, you know, what we would think of as kind of, you know, what could normally happen. I think a lot of it is because, for one thing, they're not a they're a band that has always been kind of a a mysterious kind of band even when you know when they came out in the the you know when in the 90s when they were you know were kind of, they they somehow crossed over in like sort of the alternative metal kind of goth world they just they're just one of those bands that resonates with a lot of people and then on top of that they don't put out a lot of stuff their output is very very limited so there's almost this this insane demand for them right that I don't think would necessarily exist if they were putting out an album every two years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they can they can wait a decade or so <laughs> to put out a record, and then when they do, it's like people go bananas over it. And, you know, to me it kind of makes sense, I guess, that, like, yeah, they can, they can bring 20,000 people into a hockey rink. But I don't think... Um, <clears throat> I don't think most, again, most bands don't have the luxury of, of doing that. You know, I mean, I guess we could try to do that. It'd be hard. But for 10 years, I'm going to have to work at like Home Depot or something. <laughs> right, and, um, right. What do you do to switch? Like, exactly, how do you, so. how do you do that hiatus stage? Yeah, that's the, that would be the tough part. So I think Tool is, is absolutely an anomaly. They, they are probably as unique, you know, they're kind of like the modern, I don't know. It's it's not an apples to apples comparison, but it's like you know the Beatles were the biggest band in the world, even when they were stopped playing live. Right. You know they just didn't play shows, and and yet they were they were massive. So you know Tool's kind of like kind of like that in a in a weird way that they can just almost not exist for most of the time and not be on streaming for yeah they just they just disappear from yeah. uh, you know from existence, and yet when they reemerge people are still clamoring for it and that's really cool um i'm sure that blows their minds as well but uh but, but yeah it's kind of you know they're just a unique beast the crowd was so much more mixed up than i thought it would be like i thought it would just be a bunch of dudes like my age and older but it was a lot of young people too and i was like wow like how the how did you you know and like and we'll get to this here in a second i mean similar thing with with bt band but um there really is like a shift, I think, and, and part of it is, I think, is the access now to like progressive music. Whereas, like, even you know, 12, 15 years ago when I was coming up, 
I had to rely on going to shows to find out other bands, you know, or word of mouth or somebody made a mix CD or something. Now, like you can go on any blog and find 15 great progressive metal bands, yeah. you know, with, with members that are 16 years old or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, and it's, 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 uh, it's a never ending supply. Yeah. The music is, well, it's, as a fan, it's very easy to access obviously with the internet. So it's easy to, to go and listen to a band that has literally never even played a show. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> There's a lot um, of those projects. Their materials out there, um, and then if you're on the kind of musician side, like it's easier than ever to to record a professional sounding yeah. album, you know, which um, is cool. I mean, it, all these have sort of all of these things that I'm mentioning are kind of double edged swords in a way. But um, so yeah, you have a lot of saturation mm-hmm. um, of of artists, um, and then uh, because of, again, it's so easy to to produce content. And then, yeah, on the flip side of that, it's just if you're a, a fan of music, yeah, like you can you can find anything. It's out there, you know, whether it's Bandcamp or SoundCloud, <coughs> excuse me, um, or YouTube. I mean, you know, there's just any number of of ways to to find music, and I do think that's really cool. Um, but you know, again, the the other the other edge of that is that uh, you do have kind of this oversaturation and sometimes i wonder man the best band out there may never really have right. success just by virtue of the fact that there's just too much too much fog you know yeah. too much noise from other bands you know that maybe um have better <laughs> a better social media presence yep. or you know <clears throat> or are better looking or something you yeah. know it's just a different it's a different time we live in so um so yeah, there's there's pros and cons I think to to all of that, but it is kind of fascinating. I started to pick up on that a few years ago when I was going out to Nam. Um, you know, as a drummer, I'd be walking around and checking gear out or whatever, and then some fifteen year old comes in and is sh- just playing as well as I am. And then an hour later, I see a nine year old playing almost as good as that fifteen year old. And then before the end of the day, I've seen you know a half dozen third graders playing hot for teacher you know what i mean like and it's like it gets younger and younger and they're the access the barrier to the knowledge is even easier so it is on one hand like you said it's great that we have all of this but on the other hand it's like well what's where's this go and i think the rise of the diy musician is kind of like i think it's more important now than ever because you have bands like yourself who you know get nominated for grammys and you know put albums in the top 10 and you're largely doing it on your own um something we have in common here and you know we talk about on on the everyman podcast is uh this cosmic canoe and this uh, this idea that we're kind of whether you realize it or not we're all in this shared experience together and kind of maybe one thing that happens on one end of my lake ripples down and affects you somewhere down the line and it uh we had the opportunity to record with Jamie King uh, back in 2015, my, my group Extractus. And, you know, we, in in that moment when we did that album, Jamie advised us on doing certain things that we weren't prepared to do, but it were more definitely more difficult to actually execute in the time as a performer, as a recording, you know, as a musician. Um, and he, you know, he said, like, listen, if we do it like this, 
you, you could have an opportunity to license this music to like I don't know the NFL and I was like all right we trust you because I remember going into it you know Dusty and Blake were like dude just just trust him you know he'll bring the best out of you but just go with what he tells you trust trust him he's not trying to fuck you you know basically and you know sure enough a couple years later I the reason this podcast exists you know I meet Daryl Campbell over at NFL Films uh, my co-host of the show and um we get the music there and it's all because of you know the right sequence of events but really it comes down to we we went to the best possible place we could which was Jamie we we drove many hundreds of miles I, I like to think of like Jamie's like, you know how many uh, studios you guys drove past to yeah, get here? Yeah. And it's like, dude, I know. Like, but you're, we came for you. And um, I learned things in those that two weeks that I still carry to this day. And I've had Tommy on the show and Blake and Dusty and, um, and Jamie. And I wanted to hear from you. Um, what has it meant to you as a musician uh, to, to kind of work with him through the length of your career? And not only as a musician, but someone who's if I may say so, you guys have developed so much as songwriters over your career, which is obvious to anyone, but you can really see it if you pay attention, you go in order. Because um, any you could pick up you know, something new now, and it's like, well, this is great. But what's it meant to you as a songwriter? What's it meant to you, you know, in your development just across the board as a musician working with Jamie? Well, I mean, we always say Jamie is, is the sixth member of the band. Um, you know, I don't know that we would still... <clears throat> You know, in a lot of ways, I don't know if we would still be a band without him because, you know, from from the get go, back in you know the early two thousands when he when we started recording with him, um, and you probably know this as well. Jamie is just a he's just your he's like when you're working with him, he's he is so immersed in in what you're doing, and he is he's just a great encourager, you mm-hmm. know, of uniqueness and of of taking risks, um, you know, he, he just, in a, in a way, like, he's allowed us to confidently pursue, you know, weirdness, you yeah. know, and, and what we, and what we do. And I think that's, um, we've, we've, we've strayed a couple times and worked with different people and the experience was, was almost the opposite of that. You know, it was almost like, ah, you, you probably shouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> why, why the key change there? You know, like, whereas with Jamie, he's, you know, he's like, yeah, that kicks ass, you know, or, you know, or like, I'll write like a super weird solo and track and be like, I don't know, man, it's super weird. And he'll be like, that's awesome. You know, I've never heard anything like that. It's great. It's super weird. Definitely keep that, you know, or something. So yep. he just gives you the confidence to be, to be weird, to be unique, to kind of whatever's whatever music is in you like he wants to get it out you know and uh and i think that's like a a rare thing to find in a collaborator someone who like truly like brings the best out of you each and every time and someone who you know has the the right input at the right time you know and and that's and that's jamie he just um he's always you know, when we when we record with him, like we feel like he's just our biggest fan. You know, he's yep. he's a he's a collaborator. He's and he's just um, again, he's just sort of like a he just encourages you to to do, you know, not only to do your best, but to 
to do even more than that, you know, to like kind of really go for it. You know, I mean, there's stuff on every album that we've ever done with him that would not be on there if it weren't for Jamie, you know, like whether it's a guitar harmony or a, you know, an animal noise, you know, like he's, he's the guy in the corner, like, yeah, do that. So he was the horse sound guy, right? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. You know, he, he probably recommended that, or if it was someone else's recommendation, he probably was like, absolutely, let's do that right now, you know? So, so that's, that's Jamie, you know, and, and we have worked with him for so long now that I feel like he's, he's, uh, he's, you know, again, he's the sixth member of the band, you know, he doesn't come on tour with us, but, um, he really helps us, um, you know, achieve the, the songwriting and, and the album composition. He, he really helps us, you know, achieve it to the level that we, that we really need to honestly at this point. So, um, yeah, he's just great. We love him. I feel like he, um, it's like a great coach, you know, somebody who can see your true potential and he, I could see how he would, he knew the right thing to say to me might be slightly different than what the guitarist needed to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he gets your vibe. And the reason I, the reason I bring him up so much, um, and it's something that's important to me because when I look at, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, you know, oh, we have a guest here. Oh, hello. Looking for Haley. She's out there somewhere. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's all good. You ain't well, you ain't shit. You see that? Hmm. It's aggressive. That is rude. <laughs> um. So, you know, I'm a. I kind of grew up listening to progressive music, like I was saying. You know, my Yes was like the f- was the first band that I th- was into. You know, as a kid. And uh, still am, and you know that turned into Dream Theater, and turned into you know between the Barry to me, and and so on and so forth. And you know when you when you when you listen to Dream Theater, for example, you can hear Rush, you can hear Yes, you can hear Genesis, you can hear again the Cosmic New echoes from the '60s to the '90s, and then bands like Dream Theater trickle down to guys like yourself while you're growing up in the South and you're listening to Pantera Mm -hmm. and you know, then you're getting hit with this and that, you know, and Jamie, I think is kind of a very important piece, an unsung hero in a new wave of music where you guys have had, uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. Um, you have had such an influence on so many, such a broad, not only age group of musicians, um, but just a breadth of genre that so many people from so many different places hear your music and um, they that's what they're aspiring to be, whether you guys know it or not. And that's the same way growing up that when I heard certain Dream Theater songs, I said that's that's the way that I think drums should be on an album, you know, that that impacted me, how we did our thing. And then people hear it and they say, oh, it sounds like this. In that regard, Jamie has had his hands in your career and your career has echoed so far out, farther than you guys ever anticipated that, you know, you're going to have in the next and you're already seeing it. You know, it started with bands like Animals as Leaders, the Contortionist, you know, Periphery, all these bands, you know, that that's like comes from that umbrella Mm -hmm. and you know i think maybe down the line people will realize it a little more but we're like living in a this is like a shift 
you know, and it's cool to be, like I said, to be a, have a small part in, in a, a bit of it, you know, and, and see where it's going. So, you know, if you, you guys listening, check out, um, you know, check out Jamie's other works and, and really kind of dig into the, the discography of these other bands because you'll hear this kind of change that I'm talking about. Yeah, I think, too, you know, um, I, I'm a huge, you know, well, I think it, it's cool that, like, we've we've been around long enough where we can s- kind of see that, you know, I, you know, maybe we do kind of have, like, this legacy of, of maybe influencing other bands and... Um, and that's really cool. And a lot of them are, are really good, you yeah. know? And I think that's like, I think that's really cool because I'm a firm believer that whether, you know, music or, or life or whatever, like the, the next generation should always kind of be a little bit better than the one before it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the cold, um, right? so, uh, uh, I think like, it's cool to see like, you know, like we're on tour with Chan right now, you know, that's a perfect uh, example. Chan yeah. doesn't sound anything like us. But I bet they have colors. Yeah. And, you know, Mario <laughs> told me the other day, he was like, dude, the the intro sweep to Alaska was the first sweep I ever learned, you know, and I was like, oh, really? That's f- cool, you know, and like now that dude can play circles around almost anybody. I mean, he's a ridiculous guitar player and their band, sound, again, they sound nothing like us. But to know that we were at least kind of part of his yeah. development as a musician a little bit like that's really cool. And it's especially cool because they he evolved he evolved into being something totally different than what we do, and I think that it spreads that seed out a mm-hmm. little further. And um, and so yeah, I think that's that's like a really cool thing that happens with music. I mean, I think you know you men- mentioned some of those like older you know prog bands, and and yeah, like you know Dream Theater was totally influenced by like Yes and probably gentle giant and yeah. probably pink floyd and all that stuff but they they took all that and created a whole other sound you know just in the same way that we were influenced by dream theater you know but we don't sound any we don't really sound like dream theater you know we sound like some kind of right. amalgamation of dream theater and all kinds of other stuff so it's um it's just kind of cool to see like as as the sort of generations of bands kind of kind of trickle down um you get some really new and exciting stuff and um and that's really cool to see and we're like at the age now and have been around long enough where we're starting to see that like right we're touring with a band that right. embodies that you know so um that whole thing is is really cool to me it's you know and and like you're saying it doesn't sound like it but if you know if you're looking for the mechanics right of like okay the the time changes the the kind of instrumentation breakdown where everybody's kind of it's it's more orchestral written it's not like okay you play this riff and I'll double it kind of thing mm-hmm. like it's it's spread out like you see those calling cards in other like those other bands you mentioned and that's how you realize like oh wow there is like kind of a through line here and uh the thing that blows my mind is how big like instrumental progressive music has gotten all of a sudden like you know, you guys took Animals as Leaders out on their first tour, and then now I turn around and it's like, wow. Well, you're co-headlining with an all an instrumental yeah. band, and then you got bands like Polyphia, who you guys have toured with, and um, you know everybody. It's like, how did it's having that's having a moment? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know how that happened, you know. This has literally it, it, never it, been a thing. Yeah, it's never been a thing. It's weird. I mean, we're the only band with vocals on this tour, you know, which is, well, I think Chan plays plays one or two songs that have, have some vocals. But, um, but yeah, like, we are the only band, basically, with that has vocals on this tour, which is bizarre to me because I grew up, the most of the music I, I grew up on was, and you know, had vocals right. <laughs> with the exception of like, you know, some of the weird, you know, Mahavishnu orchestra or something that I was, that I was listening to like jazz stuff, obviously, yep. but Billy Cobham, but again, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just speculating, but you know, guitar players are the modern kind of younger guitar players are very influenced by fusion guitar players, um, jazz fusion guys. And I think everyone's a often, fusion player now. Yeah, everybody loves Alan Holdsworth now. Like yeah. Every metal guitarist loves Alan Holdsworth. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know, a lot of that music is largely instrumental. Um, so I, I don't know, but it is a thing. It is having a, having a moment, as you say. Um, you know, Animals as Leaders has, has made a career yeah. of playing that music. But, you know, the one thing about it is there's such virtuosic players, yeah. you know, that they can do that 100%. You know, like... Chan does not need vocals. There is plenty of melodic content um, in their in their guitar playing that is totally it's lyrical in a way. You know, it's very it it, it, it you know there's it, an emotive quality to it. It doesn't it doesn't need vocals. And then the proof's in the pudding. I mean, people come out to these shows and they go nuts for those guys. So and they know um, like all the the key changes and they, they know, know it. and they're humming the melody. They're yeah. singing the melodies. You know yep. what I mean? So. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't, obviously music doesn't, doesn't require vocals, but it is, it is interesting that, that it has become a, a thing in this world. You know, the instrumental guitar band is, is very in vogue right now. It's a lot of eighties dudes that are really pissed like, right wait now. Wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> why <laughs> can't, why can't I have a comeback here? Michael Angel, Angel Batio's yeah, trying yeah. to, you know, come yeah. back with his six, six guitars. Well, you know what? Not, not for nothing. I mean... Guys like that certainly paved the way. Paved the way, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean, we did a clinic yesterday. Uh, Dusty, Dan, and I did a clinic uh, yesterday in uh, outside of Brooklyn, and there's a lot of people there. And you know, one, there was an older guy there, and he was like, you know, were you were you guys influenced by sort of the old '80s shred guys? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. How could you not? Yeah, I mean, that's Jason Becker is why I learned how to do sweet picking. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So. Um, so again, it kind of goes back to what we were just saying. Like there is this sort of lineage of, of influence. You know what I mean? Where like, for me, yeah, I I, I learned sweet picking from from Jason Becker, Mario from Chan. Maybe he learned it from me. You know, that's right. crazy to me. But um, and I'm not saying he he learned sweet picking from me. He just happened to <laughs> be happened inspired to be by the first one that, him, yeah. that he learned. But but again, you know, he he may have never heard of Jason Becker. You know, I don't know. Um, so. I had yeah. I had Andy McKee on the show. Um, you can listen to that in the archives. Um, and he, he was telling me like people didn't. He, pe- there's a lot of people that think he invented that style of guitar because that's the first time they ever saw it. And you know, n- he's like, no, there's like 200 years of American folk guitar mm-hmm. yeah. that are of this is where it came from. And like here they are. So now all these guys are having like a, you know, they're getting another shot because of him breaking kind of through that mainstream barrier yeah. and it's uh it's a great time to be you know i can remember having to go to 
you know, the Sam Ash to pick up the new Mike Portnoy six DVD set. You know what I mean? That was like 80 bucks and then studying the shit out of that for weeks and weeks and weeks sitting there with, you know, with the TV there and then like, okay, you know, writing my own notes. And now it's like, oh, I'll just go on YouTube. You and go to whoop, YouTube, yeah. Done. And yeah. like you put out an album and then there's some kid playing it the next day, if not a week before yeah. somehow. There's kid. I mean, yeah, we were talking about that yesterday, how, you know, again, the accessibility of, of knowledge is is much easier now like yeah when i was a kid you had to buy the the frank gambali vhs tape yeah. you know with the accompanying you know tablature that usually had a lot of mistakes in it and typos and whatever but um that's how you had to do it and then you would like trade it with your friend who yep. might have had the you know the the uh the tony mcalpine <laughs> video or something you know like and and that's how you kind of learned that like higher level technique type stuff now you don't have to do that. Like, like I said, you can go to YouTube, um, or, or whatever, or just literally Google, you know, tablature for X Y yeah. Z song, you know, like, and, um, and it pops up. So, um, so yeah, the accessibility is much different now, but, um, again, I think that's, that's, that part of it's really cool. Cause it has spawned like a, whole generation of like amazing young guitar yeah, players the jason richardson's of the world yeah i mean these guys that are just like you know f- just incredible technique very just their chops are out of this world and yeah and they and they and they just learned in a very different way than than i learned but that that's fine you know i think that's cool it's part of the this part of the evolution of the whole thing so did you have that petrucci tape you remember that one? Oh yeah i had rocked well i had rock Ro- discipline rock discipline yeah. i think i just had the book though yeah, that was. That was I still sick. use some of those exercises in my warm up routine. They're they're good. They're good. They're uh, good. good string skipping and all that stuff. Yeah, Trucci's the man. Shout out, shout out to Uncle John. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk to you about coffee. Um, we've, right. been, we've been chit chatting here a little bit about uh, everything else. So, I uh, picked up some of your coffee previously. My mother, uh, who listens to every episode, um, I got her a bag as well, and she wanted me to tell you that. It's excellent. She likes the coffee. She loves Good. the coffee. Okay. I even got we. I even got a uh, bean grinder. I didn't like have a, one. I didn't have one up until that point. I actually okay. got a grinder. Yeah, you got to grind it fresh. Yeah, it's so very important. It was very good. Uh, I picked it up at the at the merch. You guys gonna have that available on the? We don't have it on this tour because we had to fly out for this. Okay, that makes on the sense. West Coast, so I didn't. I didn't bring any. Actually, we store. do have it, but yeah. uh, but you know, obviously, you can order it from our from our website. Um, nightflyerroastworks.com um, so how'd you get into coffee tell me tell me about this is this is this like a new a newer passion have you always been a coffee guy no I hate I'm like everybody else I used to hate coffee I don't know anybody that loved coffee the first time they tried it no um, but I got into it really from touring it became like um, the thing I did you know in the morning something to pass the time yeah you know you have trouble. a lot of dead time in the mornings especially um, and I'm not the type to like sleep all day so I would get up and like find like the, you know, Yelp, the closest, you know, coffee shop or whatever. And first I didn't care what it was, Starbucks or whatever, just whatever was close. And I would, you know, drink uh, mochas and vanilla lattes and the stuff that didn't really taste like coffee, you know, the sweet stuff. That was my gateway. And then uh, eventually, like, you know, I started getting into like, I would go to, I would just stumble across like a, a specialty coffee shop and like, be like wow this tastes a little different like right. there's something about this it wasn't roasted as dark it's was kind of a lighter roast 
And uh, <laughs> I, I say that tongue in cheek because the girl that just walked in, Haley, is the tour manager of Chan, and she likes dark roasted coffee. She works at a coffee shop. I back like home. A, I like a dark roast. To be yeah, some a lot, most people do, believe it or not. But I like I, really I give, strong. Coffee. I just give her a hard time about it. I'm like, you can't drink that dark stuff. You got to drink some light stuff. But anyway, um, I digress. So I started going to like you know what we would call specialty coffee shops and noticing like a different. Be like, wow, this doesn't taste like Starbucks. You know, this is like there's something different about it. Um, and then. Of course, I went down the rabbit hole. Like, why does it taste different? Why is this coffee um, presented in a much more kind of bougie way? You know, there's latte art, and there's, you know, they know the origin of the bean. They know the farmer's name. They know the the varietal or the cultivar of the of the coffee bean. They know what the name of the farm was that it was grown at. They know the elevation. And I was like, why is all this stuff a thing? And uh, and I started digging into it, and then I. I just got hooked on it. I was like, oh, this is a really cool industry. Yeah. I was fascinated by the the supply chain of it. Like a lot of hands involved. Yeah, and like you know, I think it, it, we're you know, America we're a consuming nation. We're not necessarily a producing nation uh, when it comes to coffee. Anyway, like we don't grow coffee in only North, like Hawaii. Hawaii, right? but they don't grow a ton of it. It's a very low yield and it's very expensive. Kona coffee is what generally people associate with Hawaii. It's not the type of coffee you're going to be drinking every day. It's it's very expensive, um, at least you know specialty grade stuff. Um, so, you know we're 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 we just we are consumers of coffee, and by virtue of that, like we don't know a lot about it. We don't care. We right. just like we're like it's available. It's supposed to be cheap. It's supposed to probably kind of taste bad. It's not really hasn't really been part of mainstream culture. Right. It's just you know everybody drinks it, but they don't know anything about it. They don't know what it takes to get from. Yeah. where it is grown to the cup. And um, so once I started digging into that and I got super interested into it, in it and um, and and then I bought like a little home roaster and I was roasting coffee out on my back porch, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, kind of a messy process. Like there's like what's called chaff, like flying around everywhere because it's like the little silver skin on the outside of the coffee beans that flies off when it's roasted. <laughs> and in a home machine, there's no proper ventilation so it just kind of gets everywhere it's a mess um so i started doing that and kind of learning you know about about coffee how to roast it how to you know different origins what kind of characteristics you're trying to pull out of different coffees for example you would roast a kenyan coffee a little different than you would a brazilian coffee or something like that so um it just became a real slippery slope for me and uh and then it at a certain point I was like, you know, well, I'm, I'm roasting more coffee than I can even consume. So I started giving <laughs> it, you know, I would give it to people yeah. and then they'd be like, man, this is really good, dude. Like this is better than what I've been drinking. And I'm like, really? Okay. Um, well, it should be, I paid a lot of money for it, <laughs> but, um, and, uh, much better than Seven Eleven. Exactly. So, and then I was like, you know, I mean, you know, obviously being in a band is great, but, you know, there is an awareness where I'm like, man, the wheels could fall off this thing at any time. You never know. So I was like, you know, let me just kind of try to do this on a commercial level and and grow it organically and just see if I can see if people are interested, you know. And so that's what I did. Next thing I knew, I had like a commercial coffee roasting machine and, and had rented a warehouse in Charlotte and was just doing a very, you know, a break-even business. Like I was just selling enough of it to pay the 
pay the rent and right and and all that and pay for the inventory and stuff like that and um and but i never lost interest in it it was just a cool it was a cool passion for me i was able to kind of do the r&d for it on tour you know yeah, just by time. trying yeah. other coffees and like learning more and constantly like soaking up knowledge and and stuff like that and meeting people you know in the industry and 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 just you know doing kind of what young guitar players do getting on youtube watching videos and, yeah and watching people talk about coffee and and learning that way and stuff like that so uh so yeah it it, it before i knew it like I had a roasting business and then uh you know met some people that wanted to open a cafe and it ended up um doing that as well <laughs> so now we have a cafe and a and a roastery in charlotte and uh it's a lot of fun i mean it's a lot of work it's a very low margin business uh, in specialty coffee because we do have an initiative where we we do like to buy good coffee and we like to pay a good price for it like that's you know the supply chain is not in our opinion not not very sustainable if if the person at the beginning of it the farmer is is, is absolutely impoverished and you know selling coffee for below the cost of production which um in the commodity coffee world that that happens because the yeah, oftentimes the, the commodity price will be less than what it actually costs them to produce it so that's not sustainable nobody wins in that regard the coffee tastes like crap it's like it's just not a you know to me that's not a business model that that i'm attracted to so um we are you know we deal only with a specialty coffee and and trying to uh source coffee that is as traceable as possible we like to be able to trace it to to the actual farm um that's a little tougher to do with like um, east african coffees but but we try um and uh and and it's cool again it's a it's a low margin business we're still trying to kind of as an industry um you know, they, they use the word educate a lot, but really what we're trying to do is convince the consumer that, that, w- that this is why this is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why you should feel better about drinking this coffee than, you know, Folgers or something that yeah. that is mass produced and not, in my opinion, uh, uh, not ethically um, sourced. Um, so well, like you said, it's not something that people are actively thinking about, you know, where their coffee comes from. It's like, uh, you get it from the can, you know, and, yeah, it's, and that's where it ends. And, you know, there's, um, I've, so kind of like what you're saying, I, I, I've gotten that way with barbecue and, um, you know, got a regular grill and I was like, eh, let me look into a smoker. I didn't just get a smoker. I had to get a humongous wood pellet grill smoker, yeah. you know, next thing you know, I'm doing 18 hour cooks and yeah. all this shit. And then that leads me to like, well, you know, I'm getting the meat as ethically as possible. And I know, obviously, you know, we'll talk about your vegan, uh, and, and the other guys in the band too. And, you know, you start going down that slope and it's like, well, you know, maybe I want to be, you know, the next step for me is like, I want to be in the whole end to end process of, I want to go out, I want to hunt it humanely and do it. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to be more in control of what I'm putting into my body and supporting with my dollars. And, and I think whether it's craft beer, coffee, you know, meat, whatever, just any, anything right now is like craft culture for everybody. Yeah. Even uh, music. I mean, yeah, like, the, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of parallels, uh, probably in a lot of our interests, you know, we, we are, we are, you know, I guess we have a higher maybe standard, 
or whatever, right. you know, and, and some people would see that as being pretentious or something like that. But for me, it's, it's really not, you know, um, I'm all about approachability, accessibility for everyone. You know, I don't think specialty coffee should be just for a small segment of the population. I don't think that craft beer should be either, you right. know, um, but at the same time, I, I, I do believe that, you know, like you said, you know, we need to be careful with how we spend our dollars and knowing that the money we spend does really, you know, whether we want to believe it or not, there's a global impact, yep. you know, to what we choose to, to spend our money on. So I would, if you're going to buy a, a latte, you know, if that's your jam, like go to a really good coffee shop that, that is doing it right and pay, pay $5 for that latte. Because guess what? It's $5 for a shitty latte, too, at, right. at, a, at a big chain. Yep. You know what I mean? So you're really not even paying that much more for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, craft beer is a little different um, because they have, again, con- they've done a great job of Educating convincing the, the, consumer. the consumer base that this is worth more, yeah. you know? Um, and that's that's cool. Co- coffee's in a lot of ways, especially coffee's trying to sort of follow in those footsteps. I mean, 20 years ago, no one cared or knew what the hell a hop was but now you right see now guys sitting around at the oh at the ibu is a 96 <laughs> percent. exactly I, I love <laughs> i love these where'd you get these hops I'm minnesota cool you know like you know, I, uh, so i think that but i think that's cool i'm not making fun of it I no think I, I, I and i'm not even a beer drinker but I, I i do think that's cool people are are starting to care about where their food comes from where their drink comes from they're not just um okay with uh drinking any or eating or drinking any old thing you know um there is a trend moving in the direction of of knowing where your where your food and drink comes from and being interested in the sustainability of it and uh and i think that's awesome i hope that continues because it's i think it's very important well even something as simple as you know not to go off on the too too uh deep end but you know something like grass-fed butter if you're going to choose to to consume butter you know um once I find out kind of like cows aren't supposed to eat grain and um, not only is the but- is the butter better if you have grass fed, but that cow had a better existence, you know, as as it went through its life because it was being fed when it's supposed to be fed. And it's like, yeah, it's another dollar fifty. But like I'm doing a I'm making a better choice than I was making previous, you know, and um and I think that's another thing, th- something that's that you guys do is that. Uh, speaking of having a moment, this, you know, plant-based is now kind of the new term for it. Yeah, uh, which I think is cool because you know, it, it it changes. You know, it doesn't sound as snooty as saying I'm vegan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm plant-based. <laughs> yeah, know? I'm plant-based guy, and it's much more like Instagram girls are like, well, I'm doing a plant-based diet. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, okay, whatever. So, <clears throat> I think that's you know, you guys kind of maybe inspire people to th- to think about those things. And I always appreciate um, how, you know, you guys don't, you're not out there preaching, beating anybody over there. Like, you, you know that uh, you're not going to change everybody's mind and no. you don't have to. You just do which, what you guys want to do and what's right to you. And if that inspires somebody to maybe think about it more or maybe this conversation, somebody goes, oh, I didn't know cows weren't supposed to eat grain. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I—I yeah. I mean, I think you know, the, I, for one thing, I, you know, I've been vegan for twenty-three years, so it's almost like I'm just bored of of being vegan. I just am vegan by routine, almost. You yeah. know, it's just the way I've been. But 
I mean, I do have a lot of opinions on it. I if people like want to talk about it on a in depth level, like I love doing it because I, I'm still passionate about it. Um, I'm passionate about the plant based diet, but I don't. I just don't choose to like, you know, advertise it too much or whatever. Um, but I I think, you know, a lot of people are getting their information from documentaries on Netflix and stuff. And, yeah, and that's great if that medium can be a way to to educate people on, on things that I've believed for a long time, like that's super cool. Um, I don't really want to be that person that goes around and like, you don't want to be the poster boy. Not at all. No. You know, I think to each for, first of all, to each their own, you know, like I have friends that eat meat, you know, I have friends that don't, well, um, even in the band, it's like, even in the band, you know, dusty and Blake, half of us will go get a cheesesteak later and you guys will have your vegan, yeah, Treats. but, you know, even those, even Dusty and Blake love vegan food. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is just, for one thing, I mean, to this idea that it's gross. Well, it's gotten so much better. Is Yeah, it has. Um, that, you know, that's the first, you know, I always tell people, look, man, you, even if you eat meat, you mostly eat vegan. You know, it's not like you're pounding a, a burger every meal of every day. I mean, you know. You, generally people if they're remotely healthy you know they're eating a lot of vegetables you know and stuff like that (laughs) i hope you know so um we're just substituting you know we're just choosing to not eat the the meat part of of the the diet but um but yeah i mean i i think it's cool i think people are starting to learn about the environmental impacts of Mm -hmm. of industrial animal agriculture which is really what i'm against you know it's horrible Um, i mean it's it's a uh it's not only horrible from just a, I think it's just inhumane the way we just march animals to slaughter for the purpose of, of consumption. I just don't, I think that's just a, a horrible thing to do to breed, to breed sentient beings for that purpose. Um, but, uh, it's also devastating to the, to the environment. Um, it requires a lot of resources to produce all that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually produce a ton of um, calories necessarily per, you know, acre of land or whatever, you know, the land could, could be much uh, better used for, for plant production, um, plant food production, and you could ultimately feed a lot more people. Um, and that doesn't, um, and that includes protein, you know, the, the, the protein content in plants is, I mean, that's how the animals are getting their protein, you know? So, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I've always thought, you know, well, I'm just cutting out the middleman. You know, I'm going straight to the source. So, uh, which is some of the interesting, some of the interestingly, some of these documentaries make that same statement. And I'm like, man, I've been saying that for years. I should get <laughs> some sort of residuals on this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think people are. Again, I don't think the whole world's gonna gonna go vegan or anything. But I think people again are becoming more aware of what yeah. they're eating, and and they they now know. Um, if they're, you know, if they're willing to accept some of the facts, they're, they're willing to know like the impact of, of the food that they're eating and, and how it, how it kind of impacts the environment, how it impacts the, the food supply. And I think that's cool. Awareness is always the first step to me. Right. It's like, just be aware of what you're doing, you know? Um, And, And even, even further kind of what I was saying before, it's, what's cool is, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, we have all these Amish markets here. So, like, you know, for me, I can make a, a better choice, you know, uh, if you can, 
you know, you guys are listening to this and you maybe you're saying, well, I want to stick with meat, but, uh, or, you know, I'm not ready to go all out there. Well, try and find maybe a local organic farm or, you know what I mean? Something that's not like you're saying this mass produced thing. And, you know, over, I, I'd love to see, we, you know, come up with a system that's a little bit more humane than that. Cause I, I don't see how, like you said, not everybody's going to be, it's not going to happen, but we, we just do need to do better yeah. at, at how we treat that. It's right. just not, and it's not right. You know, the, the, and not to sort of rain on that parade too, but I, I think about that too a lot. Cause a lot of people are like, well, I only eat grass fed beef or I only eat free range chickens or whatever. Right. And I think that's, that's great. Again, it's an awareness of, and it's a, it's a step in the right direction of like kind of being aware of what you're consuming and, and how it impacts the, or, you know, how, is it humane or more humane? Um, mm-hmm. and how, and how does it impact the environment and stuff like that? The only, the only issue with that is like, well, you can't do that to scale. You know, right. you can't feed the world. In other words, if you were like, well, we're going to just, we've got grass fed, you know, cows that are getting to roam about the pasture freely and all this stuff and i'm like well, the you whole can't, state you can't feed the whole world with that yeah. eventually you're going to get right back to where you are now mm-hmm. with the industrial level of just cramming them all because you know you gotta you gotta feed everybody you gotta do it for cheap so you're gonna end up cramming a bunch of cows into a small space and you're gonna feed them corn and grain and things that they're Not they can't even really digest. And yeah and things that they can't even digest so i do think it's cool that people are are buying, um, you know, spending their dollars with, um, you know, the free range stuff and the, and the, again, grass fed stuff. But I'm like, well, you're going to hit a, you're going to hit a dead end eventually, eventually on yeah. the, on the sort of the global, like the big, on the big picture scale, you know, and that's why, I, you know, I think, uh, wow, I'm a you know, big promoter of, of plant-based because that is something that I, I still feel weird saying that. Um, I, a vegan diet because uh, <laughs> because it is scalable. Yeah, you can grow. You can produce a lot of food for especially cheap. now hydroponics and indoor and f- growing and, and feed a lot more people. And you know, w- right now a lot of our plant foods are being fed to livestock, which is right. It's going the it's other really, way. It's 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 kind of a, a weird a weird thing that we're doing and. and and you know everybody's freaking out about like gmo soy and stuff like that i get that question a lot like mm-hmm. oh you eat tofu it's all gmo you know and yeah. i'm like actually the tofu i eat is not gmo the tofu the soy that you're eating right by eating meat that's the gmo that's it's what they're feeding the livestock the, is livestock. the gmo yep. the gmo stuff so <laughs> there's well, a lot of interesting ironies there um and you have a lot of people that at least everybody's having this conversation now and and at least they're they're curious, you know. And and I know, um, I think ultimately, I think it's just we're all just going to have to cut back. I mean, at the at, whether you're some people like yourself are going a hundred percent, you know, or some people like maybe I'm sixty forty now, and maybe I need to be eighty twenty or ninety ten, you know. Like I just think that eventually that's where it probably has to go for for us to to really have that. Yeah, and I I, I think again, you know. Um, Which isn't I'm not thing. trying to convince the whole world to go vegan, but I do think it, 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 it does start with an awareness. And like you said, you know, eating a little less, it's not bad. You know, it's, uh, it's good for you. You know, you don't need, you don't need, listen, red, get red some meat. broccoli. Yeah. Eat some broccoli, a little cauliflower, you know, eat what a mean? little cauliflower, eat some spinach, you know, like all those foods they have, they have protein, they have other nutrients that you need. Like you don't have to, this idea that you need like meat to, uh, 
to sustain your body is it's just kind of this archaic like yeah it's just not true you know i mean i'm i'm 40 years old um honestly i'm probably in the best shape of my life you know and i've been vegan for over half my life you know so um you know not not to say that like i'm you know, there's a lot of unhealthy vegans out there too, but like, yeah, I've seen some, uh, <laughs> rotund a, vegans there's out a, there. a few of them. Yeah. But anyway, eating, um, just eating Oreos. Cause those are, yeah, I do know. think it's cool that like we're living in a time where, where again, people are, are definitely becoming more aware of what they consume. And I think that's cool. When I talked about it with Tommy, especially on tour, like it's got, it's got to have gotten so much easier for you guys oh, man, last crazy, couple of years. Crazy easy. And that's another thing. Again, I'm, I've said it before, you know, I'm, huge into like the accessibility of, of vegan options because when we started it was very difficult to find to find food on the road we were eating taco bell bean burritos um <laughs> also not a bad thing not a bad just thing just in but volume like, but yeah volume. but you don't want to eat them every day again <laughs> um but you know now like yeah what are Bur- some burger king has the impossible whopper you know yeah. what i mean and i've i've only had it once it's, it's not very good because it's, it's burger still king. burger it's still king, like dude. shitty lettuce and gross tomato and a nasty bun but burger um, king is honestly and i'll say this patty's okay <laughs> they're at the l- l- bottom of my emergency fast food list. Yeah. like if i'm in a pinch in like a there has to pinch. be nothing same with me and so you know i i will probably very rarely eat that but I do think it's cool right. that um, that it's available, it's it's affordable, and somebody that does eat at Burger King um, for whatever reason, convenience or, or budget or whatever, they have that option, and so I think that's really cool. Dunkin' Donuts has a Beyond Meat uh, sausage now. Again, I will probably rarely, if ever, eat there. Um, eat that? But you can. But I can. It's cool. And you can, you yep. know, like anybody can, like the, the accessibility is and the affordability is there. And I think moving in that direction is, is super cool. And almost every, I mean, it's getting to the point now where almost every restaurant fast food or otherwise is, is getting close to having vegan options. Even KFC is about to have, uh, beyond chicken. So what do you think a fried chicken place is going to have a vegan fried chicken that's insane yeah you know so it's it's crazy what uh i know a lot of people had asked before we get to the fan questions here to wind wind down um you know we're in philly my hometown what uh throw out some vegan spots that people can check out we got listeners all over the world so any any cities any spots you particularly like on the on the road absolutely well philly's a good a good one because I i i have some friends here that that own some really cool vegan spots so there's Blackbird Pizzeria, which I ate. You when you were coming in, I was eating some yeah. wings, some seitan wings from you. Yeah, very good. Um, Blackbird Pizzeria is amazing. Uh, they do pizzas. They do like Philly cheese steaks. They do you know wings, salads, really good stuff. Um, even our meat eater guys like it. You know, it's really good. Um, and then I have uh, a friend who owns a coffee shop here called Grindcore House. Uh, yes. Which is an all-vegan uh, coffee shop. They do sandwiches, baked goods, uh, obviously coffee drinks and stuff, all-vegan. The ones that made those little cookies that I... Th- You've probably had. Yeah. I'm sure you have. Yeah, um, those are good. And then they, you know, the cool thing about them is you, their coffee shop's kind of cool. Like, you'll go in there and they'll be playing, like, you know, some... <laughs> some Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> yeah, or whatever, you yeah. know, or something more, far it, it, more the obscure cool, like, than that. The cool, death metal which, logo, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And then they also just opened up a a little collab spot with a friend of ours who runs a vegan bakery here called crust. 
And so it's like, I don't know what the name of the place is technically. It might just be like Grindcore X crust. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and they do, and it's an all vegan bakery slash, um, you know, coffee shop and the sandwiches and stuff like that too. So, uh, Philly's a hotbed for, for vegan stuff for sure. And, uh, but those are a, a couple of my favorites. Any, uh, any other good spots on the road that you like? Oh man, there's so many. Do you have one, uh, hometown one that you like? And in Charlotte, God, there's a lot popping up. We have um, probably my favorite right now is an all vegan Mexican street food Damn. place called Lady Go Go's, and it's family run. Um, they are legit. They're, Mexican's my favorite. Dude. Yeah, they're you know they're it's legit stuff like sopes and obviously burritos and tacos and um, just amazing. It's so good, dude. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's they know how to favorite. handle the pork. They do, and they do the Mexican like, people. It's yeah, they do. Um, she does a vegan carnitas that is made from jackfruit, which is really cool because it's like, you know, soy free and gluten free and all that stuff. But Fried up and yeah, they do it right, man. I mean, Damn. she actually brought some. They were in Minneapolis just on. They were visiting while we happened to be there, and she brought us a big. Uh, bat she made you some. That's awesome. Yeah, and our bus driver on this tour is a is a Mexican guy, and uh, shout out to Jorge keeps us safe every night. Um, he he tried it, and I was like. Jorge is not real meat. It's vegan carnitas. And he was like, it's good. Wow. <laughs> he loved it. So I was like, man, well, that's the seal of approval right yeah. there. You know? Wow, so, man. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my favorite place in Charlotte right now. But we also have some really cool – there's like a kind of a soul food um, – kind of a comfort food place there called Bean, um, which is really good. They do like fried pickles and, you know, uh, burgers and – um, meatloaf and you know collard greens and like just southern fare yeah but it's it's all vegan and it's all very very tasty um but there's places popping up all over the place man just gotta get out there my favorite probably my favorite vegan restaurant in the country is a place called modern love there's one in brooklyn i've not been to that one but there's one in omaha mm. and i think it's fantastic um it's uh it's really good, like high level, like culinary, you know, masterpiece type. In the in the heart of barbecue land, too. It is, yeah. So I'm in, sure in, it's in great. The state, yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's an irony there, but it's it's so good, that's unbelievable. That's awesome. Well, before we get to our, our last little bit here, uh, Paul, I want to thank you for for coming on the Everyman Podcast. This has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. You know, not only as a fan but a friend of you guys, uh, it's been great. Always hanging around, and you guys have a great crew, and you're always so welcoming. And so, thank you for awesome. for the hospitality. Yeah, and, absolutely, and man. Coming it's our on, pleasure. and, and uh, so every time I, got, I I bring you guys on, um, I like to go to Reddit. I'm a big Reddit guy. And uh, do you, you redditor at all? You get on there? Uh, only if somebody sends me like a link to it. And so then, you'll check it out, but you don't like. And then, but then, then I find myself kind of like digging See, around it for a while. But I, I, I never go to it just like out of nowhere. Somebody like yourself, you know, like I, I real. If you're looking, if you're somebody who's seeking information, it's a great place to find like the one percenters, you know, how do the, how do the crazy people do this? <laughs> you know, like if you're looking, um, you know, for me, I was like looking up like people making their homemade beef jerky and I was like, what's this look like? And I'm like, holy shit, like dehydrators and fans and venting and like you can, so whatever it is, whether it's fly fishing or, you know, a- amateur astronomy, you can, you can find the good info there. Okay. So you should check it out. So of course, uh, the most hardcore Between the Barry to Me fans can be found at Reddit All right. on our Between the Barry to Me. And I uh, want to thank those guys for, for uh, supporting the podcast and 
given us some good questions. So one of my favorite things is always the names. The usernames on Reddit okay. are, are great. So these are all real. So okay, I, I hope cool. you enjoy them. So Excited. we're going to go through here. So Rain Summoner wants to know, will we ever see a Paul Wagoner solo album? Uh, I would say likely not. Um, I'm one of those guys that like any th- time I create something cool musically, I like want it to be between the barrier to me. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not able to like compartmentalize in a weird way and be like, oh, this is something for me. cool, but I, I want to use it for something else. Like for me, it's like, I want to put it all in that one bucket. Um, that's like, you know, that, and that's, but that's just me, you know, so probably not, but I, I would, you know, never say never, but you know, I just, I don't think it's very likely. I would think like if it were me and it's like, you got Dan who for my money, not, not a better guy out there on base. Mm-hmm. And then Dusty, who you know will just anchor down whatever insanity that you want to do. And then it's like, well, like, who else? You know what I mean? Like, how could you write for, like, it's you, you have such great players to play with and to yeah. write to write for. Like, I one of the things I enjoy in songwriting is, like, the idea of, like, oh, I can't wait to see how he does this idea. Like, I have the, you know how somebody plays and then you mm-hmm. write something for them, kind of like yeah. when Tarantino writes a movie and he's got a spot for Samuel L. Jackson, it's yeah. like the same thing, you know? Yep. So I, I could imagine just being too stoked to see I've, how they I've play. I've never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. I think it would be like, well, if I if I were to form like another band, I would just choose these same guys probably, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like um yeah, like and if if like like you said, if I come up with an idea, it's like I kind of want Blake to play the drums to it, you know, he's going to come up with something really cool, yeah. you know. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's kind of what it is. Um and that just that's just between the berry to me is my musical outlet. So um, it's hard for me to like imagine doing something outside of the scope of that. Um, and I, I think, I think you might've just hit it on the head. That's probably why, you know, well, it's working out for you so far. Yeah. So, so far. So good. You keep probably keep, yeah, I'll probably keep it up. So <laughs> meet tornado 52 and shout out to the meat tornado. He's been, uh, he's that's been a great, it's good. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't even want to yeah, know what going. that derives from, but it could be, a, it could be a couple be of things. It could be could be a couple things. Um, what would you be doing if you had a real job? Well, I know you mentioned working at Home Depot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my last real job actually was I, I worked in a warehouse of a, a now defunct um, computer sort of superstore chain um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. That was like my last sort of real job. Was worked it in the warehouse. It was. Nice. Yeah. Um, CompUSA, shout out. Shout out. <laughs> My family bought a computer at a CompUSA once, man. Yeah. that's uh, they, they, they sold those from time to time. Um, I may have opened the box yeah. for it. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. That's so I did, I've worked in shipping and receiving and like, I did like RMA stuff, which is where you return stuff to the, to the manufacturer, like if it's defective or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um warehouse it was just warehouse work that was my last real job i didn't mind it actually it was a decent job but i've had i've had plenty of jobs um before that too but now i mean we kind of talked about it earlier like the reason i kind of started the coffee thing was like i just cannot imagine i can't imagine working like a real job anymore um, it's not because I don't, I, I like to work. I do enjoy working. You're but too far out of it. I'm like too far out of it, man. It's been too long. I think I, I don't love the idea of like working for someone else. I want, I want to, I like the high stakes yeah. of working for myself and knowing that everything I do and everything I don't do 
has like an impact on my on my life and the people close to me i, I kind of like that i like the pressure of that so if i weren't doing music i you know i would obviously fall back on the on the coffee thing because that's what i've intentionally kind of done but if i didn't have that if like i actually had to get an actual job i have no idea man i would probably i, I do not i don't i don't know i really don't i don't know what i would do maybe like get into like turf management or something it'd be cool to like <laughs> be a groundskeeper at a baseball stadium a or something like or something. that yeah. i kind of like that i like mowing the lawn and and stuff listening like to cannibal corpse <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. getting the diamondbacks field ready to go Ex- exactly yeah so maybe something like that it would have to be something certainly not a cubicle type job and and probably not a job that has like a ton of like grunt work type stuff either you know it'd be something that you know i could kind of um you know something where i could do the job and kind of step back and look at what i've done and that's, be like yeah. all right cool that's, I, that, that's cool that's that was me I, I, I i'm like that too that's that why pitcher's I, mound looks well groomed <laughs> because of me yep. you know i raked that watered it all yeah, down yeah watered it down yeah dust isn't going anywhere exactly that's good so maybe that's I, I like that sense of a visual accomplishment like you did it it's done move on to the next thing yeah that's nice um this is a good one too edgy mick edge boy oh okay how was uh how was your performance in israel and will bt bam ever be back I would love, I would love to go back. Uh, we were in, we played in Tel Aviv once. Um, Rowdy crowd. Uh, great crowd, great show, uh, great experience all all around. Um, for me in particular, because I love like Middle Eastern food is like my favorite food. It's super obviously it's very vegan friendly. Get a little bit of that naan. Uh, uh, pita bread. Naan is. Oh, is that Indian? Oh, yeah. I thought You're that was mixing the same your thing. ethnicities. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. My apologies. Oh, oh my God, Edgy McEdge yeah. boy is gonna be pissed. Yeah, he, he heard you say that. Yeah. Um, but I had amazing falafel, amazing hummus, amazing pita bread. Pita, not, not naan. Um, so I would love to play there again. It's just hard. it's so hard logistically to to do some of that stuff because it's not it's, it's not, not like money. Really we don't really make money or anything. You know, it's kind of like. Um, can't really book any gigs in the surrounding areas right i mean we did it when we did do it we we did it as part of kind of a european tour we flew in and stuff like that um it was uh but it was awesome and and i do hope that we get to play there again the people there were fantastic they were very hospitable they were very nice and um and i would totally go back it sounds like uh when they're more they appreciate it when you guys can make the trip absolutely a lot of places are like that you know where um you really feel their appreciation mm-hmm. um, for you just showing up, and that's that's a really cool feeling. Like they they know that it maybe took a lot for you to get there, and uh, that was certainly one of those places. Um, so we, you know, those those places are when you play a place like that, um, it it really kind of it 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 hits you on a deeper level. You're like, wow. You know, because it's easy to sort of take all this for granted. Yeah. You play the same venues over and over in America or whatever, and you kind of—it's just a. Sometimes it just—it's like, oh, here we are again. <laughs> you know, in Philly playing another show, but, um, but occasionally, you know, you're kind of slapped across the face, like, wow, man, you've—you really this is like a rare opportunity that a lot of people don't don't get, mm-hmm. and and you're here because of all these people, and and they're really stoked that you're here, and that's uh that's a, such a cool feeling. You know what I mean? So when you play a place like, like Israel or, you know, even a place like, you know, even when you go to Japan or South America or, or whatever, like you get that, that vibe. They're just so stoked that you're there because it's not an easy 
you're not very accessible to them typically uh, to well, see them in, in, in a live to see us in a live setting so you talk about your you know these fans all over and you know when when i've had tommy on or you know blake on and dusty when you guys share share it out on your twitters it's like i see from my end where the listeners are coming from and it's all over the world it's amazing in in the reach to come you know from such a small town in north carolina all the way to japan and israel it's really it's a beautiful thing yeah it really it really is cool you know it's just mind-blowing that like yeah. how why are there 500 people in israel that have even heard of us you know much less coming to the show so it, it is really you almost want to line them all up and be like so how did you what how, how did you what did you, you know yeah. how did you hear us what yeah. there's no way so but i love it i love it hylian hero 95 best coffee to buy from nightflyer roastworks what should they get when they uh, come to town? Right now, we're kind of like, we have sort of an inventory, um, kind of moving some coffees in and out right now. But um, if they go to the website right now, we have a new Guatemalan coffee that's really nice. Um, uh, and then we have a, I love I love the, the Kenyan coffee that we have right now, but that one might actually be about sold out. If it is, um, we have a, Nicaraguan coffee that we buy from a um, a co-op down there that's doing really cool things on like sort of the humanitarian level. They're like building schools and and just doing really cool stuff for the the community down there. So we have a, a Nicaraguan coffee that's super duper good. Um, that one's roasted. It's like a medium roast coffee that's very juicy, very. Um, you know, kind of full bodied, very sweet. It's just a really good coffee. So I would probably recommend that one if I had to pick just one, but you couldn't, you can't go wrong with that Guatemalan either. Got to love a little Guatemalan. That's right. That one's a good coffee. Andre Sokolov wants to know, and I'm, you know, this one I'm, I'm with him too. What's the story about your sweet tea tattoo on your stomach? <laughs> it's uh well, the, the tattoo says relax. It's like a little rocker thing. It says, relax and then on one side is me um just sitting in a lawn chair drinking um you know but a sweet tea. probably it's well actually yeah it's probably sweet tea i mean you can't tell that it's sweet tea specifically could be a cold brew it could be a cold brew coffee it could be a lemonade it could be you know a, arnold palmer maybe maybe or a cheer wine which is a popular, oh i love the cheer yeah, wine cheer i had wine. that when i was down there exactly like if you're from if you're from the south especially north carolina you probably know what cheer wine is delicious uh, cherry soda and then on the other side is uh, my dad, um, and he's just kind of chilling too, drinking the same thing. So it's uh, it was my first tattoo. That was your first yeah, one. Yeah, it was my first one, <laughs> and uh, so it's just um, that's awesome. Yeah, I figured it would be cool to like immortalize kind of a father son thing. Um, and what better way? You know, I don't know. I like to. We don't get to do it very often, but uh, you know, be nice to sit down with the old man and sip on a cheer wine or a sweet tea and just kind of let the time roll by for a little while. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's not what I was expecting. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Spicy Mango 6969. <laughs> After two decades of songwriting, do you find it more difficult to come up with fresh ideas or do you think the years of experience has made it easier? Um it, I think it's harder for sure. Um because you you know, we're more critical. So, I think the ideas come, but it's more rare that it's something that we would consider usable. You know, like for me, it's, uh, you know, every, 
out of every five ideas that I come up with, I might like one of them, you know, after a certain amount of time. Like I just, um, but so it's easier I, to know what you're not looking for now. Yeah. It's like, we're just more, yeah, I guess our, the, our standards have, have increased to a point where like, you know, we're just like, it, it just takes a certain caliber to, to, for us to like really like, yeah, let's, let's put that, let's use that. You know what I mean? So, um, so it's a little harder in that sense, but it's also the, the, I think it's cool because it does, it is really, it kind of forces you to really, um, you know, evolve and like force, you know, push the envelope a little bit, you know, you can't just, you know, for me, like when I'm, when I'm sitting down and I'm coming up with ideas, like I'm, I'm very actively like pushing myself to, to make it better or to, you know, um, I'm kind of doing a lot of fat trimming as I go. And, um, and so that's, that's, that's cool. I think it's cool. It's made the process. It's actually made the final process of like actually putting songs together and stuff like that. It makes that easier. So you're, you're you're already working with like everybody's absolute best. So you're, you're starting more with a more finished product now than you used to is what you're saying. Yes. Because like I know when I'm writing, it's like I, I, I'm still, I have a lot of fat on there and I'm whittling yeah. and whittling and whittling. Yeah, we just added, you know, you're, you're kind of filtering it. You know, we yeah. add, we add a finer filter yeah. <laughs> every album. Well, that's I experience. Think, I think like that, you know yeah. what I mean? So that's cool. Um, and, and, and it just comes out sounding a little more mature and a little more, I think, cohesive. And we're honestly trying to do a little more with less nowadays, you yeah. know, like. Well, I think you can definitely tell that when you listen, you know, like uh, the, we were talking before a little bit offline, the great misdirect uh, remaster. And I, that's the first time I'd kind of gone back and listened to it intently in, in a little while. And, you know, with fresh ears and a new mix, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here, you know. Mm-hmm. And you compare that to, like, the last two records, and you can see that there's – it's not like you're being lazy. It's just you're picking your picking your lanes a little bit differently. Yeah, 100%. And it's just um, – it's just the way that we've – kind of evolved as as songwriters you know we're just trying to um you know we're not as hell-bent on like cramming a, a bazillion notes or a bazillion riffs into one song you know it's now it's more about like let's write something that just kicks ass as jamie king would say see how you we know, get it just see if it kicks or whatever ass. man yeah whatever man as long as you harmonize every lead he's cool with it. <laughs> yep. so, yeah yeah i think we, we had one take we put like 12 harmonies and just to see he's like let's just see what how it sounds yeah. You know, it's like we're never, we know we're not going to use this, but let's just see. We might, might as we well. Might, you you know? might as well try it. Yeah. We might use it. Um, Scissor My Timbers, what's your favorite vegan place when you're in Detroit? And uh, any additional vegan spots you want to shout out in Detroit? We talked about kind of some uh, all over the country, but I like this guy's username. So yeah, yeah. I figure we De- talk about Detroit. Detroit, send me some su- suggestions for vegan spots. I've never really like, um, dug in too much on, on like the vegan the vegan tip in, in Detroit although but I will say last time when we were just there we were at the Fillmore Detroit and I walked to the Whole Foods um, and that was probably the best vegan hot bar I've ever seen at a Whole Foods it was unbelievable like vegan mac and cheese like just it was ridiculous like um, these weird like black eyed pea like fritters they had which I've never even really seen before at Whole Foods. They were amazing. They had a vegan mushroom gravy. Um, it was almost like it was around Thanksgiving, so it was oh, okay, like nice. it was kind of a lot of Thanksgiving-y type stuff. But then they also had like that vegan uh, 
like a vegan orange chicken thing or something. It was just, un- I was like blown away. I was like, what have I, I went there just to get some uh, protein bar, like energy bars. You're coming out with a And I came out with like a buffet. full-blown buffet, you know. Yeah, and it was it was ridiculous. So um, shout out to that uh, Detroit Whole Foods for, for bringing it on the vegan, the vegan stuff. But yeah, down for suggestions. I really don't know. I haven't really like dug in on on Detroit. Susan, uh, my timbers, drug. send me a DM if yeah. you've got some spots and I'll, and I'll pass it along. And Please we'll, do. We'll, uh, we'll have ourselves a Merry Christmas here. <laughs> Night Owl 76. And this is something that, uh, you know, kind of rings home to me too as a former long hair myself. Um, last time I saw it, I was like, whoa, hey now. Yeah. Silver Fox over here. <laughs> After having long hair for so long, how surprised were you at how easy it was to dry your hair the first time you took a shower with oh, it short? The whole, it's amazing. I should have done it years ago. Um, the, yeah. I mean, having long hair, anybody that has long hair, well, for one thing, I don't know why you would have long hair unless you were a guitar player in a metal band. Because <laughs> exactly. I did I hated long hair every minute of every day except when i was on stage that right. was the only time i liked it because there's I no reason around yeah otherwise i was mostly spent the rest of the time trying to get it out of my way yeah. you know you're tying it in a ponytail you're tying it in Keeping a bun the or you got a hat on you like yeah like it's a nuisance you know so um once i you know i made a decision last summer i was like i cannot do another summer with this long ass hair so um i was totally prepared mentally and and everything to cut it off so it wasn't even a big deal when they when when i got it cut off i was like good good riddance done with it you know but yeah um taking that like first shower and like how little shampoo i all of a sudden needed well, to that use, first you know, one you're like, like oh, i used to have yeah, to use like yeah. half a bottle of yeah. a shampoo and now it's just like a little dollop will do you know like man this is great uh, i'll save some money here um and then yeah drying it like I was like, now it's actually possible to dry my hair with a towel. Like, whereas before I was just, you know, pretty much uh, <laughs> destined to have like partially wet hair for the next, for the, throughout the day. So yeah, very nice uh, experience to be able to dry my hair I've uh, more efficiently. I've had my hair long, like three or four different stages of my life, like good periods of time, a couple of years at a time. And for me, I don't know if the, you can relate to this, but the last six months, I was always like very anti the long. It's like I gotta cut this. Like yeah. even though you're not ready to go cut it, you're like you've made the last six months are like pretty much self loathing of yeah. your long hair, and then you finally do it, and it's like oh you cut your hair. You're like yeah, listen, I don't want to talk about it. I fucking should have done this six months ago. It's it's ridiculous. I I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean it was kind of like that. Well, I got like some pretty. I got mostly positive feedback, although, you know, there were a few people like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Nah, but, my girlfriend said uh, he's so handsome. Oh, Look at that, nice. you know. Uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Everybody. Well, that, I'm just saying because there's only usually one other girl at a BT BAM show besides uh, yeah, know, and there's so not, so not it's hard to get a sample. Yeah, exactly. Sample audience. Um, yeah, mostly got, you know, pretty positive. There, but, again, there were a few people like, oh, I can't believe you did that. But, you know, I was like, dude, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that – long hair had to go you know i was tired of it. it was time you know it was time so uh yeah it was just i was ready to ready to do it and then even now when people are like you think you'll ever grow it back out like i don't think so not this i don't think so i did it for 12 years you know i had long hair so i think i'm just done with it yeah you want long hair paul you got to see the you know previous go back in the archives yeah Yeah. it's not uh that is a that book is closed so last question here from the fans and it's only natural we we ended here with a little bit of football talk on the everyman um and, and basketball, what will it take for the Hornets to make some noise in the East this year? 
<laughs> Good luck, because uh, you know the Sixers are doing. They're uh, going to hold it down, hopefully. But uh, more importantly, Kyle Allen stepping up. Do you think he's the guy going forward after this? Do you think Cam's done? I, I think I think Kyle Allen's. Uh, got some good upside but cam is just he's cam but sometimes you need a change of scenery so what do you think about uh, the hornets and the hornets panthers well first the hornets because that's quick they're not going to make any noise in the east they are a uh i mean they've already won more games than i actually thought they would win all year so shout out to that but um you know they're in a rebuild they're obviously rebuilding they got some terrible contracts um the nick batum contract kills them um, they they got to get rid of some of these bad contracts and, and obviously groom some of the younger players, which are doing now, and some of them look like they've got a lot of potential to be to be really good. Um, and then just, you know, get lucky in the draft and you know, do what the Sixers did, you know, just get some good good draft picks and rebuild the team. And, you know, I think the Hornets in in three years maybe could be, could be a solid team. But this year they're going to be uh, terrible, you yeah. know, and, and that's, that's fine, I, you know. That's just the way the NBA works now. You have to be absolutely terrible um, to get good unless you're a big market team and you can get some big-time free agents. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they're, they're not coming to Charlotte. No. You know, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. they got some young guys that I think will be good in a couple years. Uh, Panthers, um, I go back and forth on Kyle Allen. I think he is – he's a great story. I mean, he's undrafted. Um, he is a good quarterback. He's got a great arm, uh, pretty accurate thrower. I'm not so sure he is the guy. I don't know that he's like a franchise quarterback, although sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe he might be. I don't know. Um, so I'm not, not sure if he's the guy. I Cam – I love Cam. Love him. I think he's great. Um, he's like a great – community guy i think he's a good person people make fun of the clothes he wears and stuff but he's doing his thing he's doing his thing he's a good i think he's you know good for for the community of charlotte i'm not convinced he's totally invested in his success as a football player anymore and i think the injuries i think have have really beat him down mentally um as much as physically and it's hard for me to imagine him being the 2015 cam newton ever again um so that being said, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it would be a bad decision for them to let him walk or, you know, to to get rid of him after they would save a lot of money. Um, so part of me thinks, you know, it's kind of 50-50 that he may have played his last snap as a Panther. Um, but whether he stays in Carolina or not, I root for him. I hope he does come back healthy. He was an awesome, he was an exciting player to watch when he was yep. healthy and when he was you know at his peak um in 2015 so i hope if if not with carolina with some other team he gets back to that level because he's it's good for the league when cam newton's really good and um and and i would love to to see him play at that level again but uh it's just for me right now it's like hard to hard to imagine he hasn't been the same since that super bowl really so um it's hard to imagine him coming back from that that's the thing getting uh you know having like my co-host who he's he's he works at nfl films he's hard at work on the nfl 100 projects that's why he's not here for this interview today but um getting to know him and getting to know some of these other football players that he played with we had tank johnson on the show and the injury thing what these guys go through with their bodies that's not reported 
Oh, yeah. And even the stuff that is reported, I mean, it is, it blows my mind when Daryl tells me some of these stories about what's really going on on the field. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, we just saw that with Andrew Luck. Like, these guys are making so much money, and then they have opportunity outside of it, and then they, they get to maybe 30, 31 years old, and they're like, dude, I'm not going to be able to walk Why in a couple years. Why am I putting years. myself through this? Yeah. Like, I think that about Big Ben. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. what do you, you don't have, you don't owe the state, you don't owe the fans anything, you don't owe the city anything, you're a champion, you had a great run, like, go out while you can walk, yeah. you know? Like, oh, 100%. I just, the... Uh, these guys like these big quarterbacks that are that are mobile like again ben cam you know they're getting their bodies just destroyed and there was those years where he didn't really have a good offensive line where, mm-hmm. where he yeah, was getting sacked of, like 40 50 hits. times a year so i mean the the wear and tear on a guy like cam newton is probably way way hotter than you know uh, what tom brady has, has had to go through yep. or you know maybe an aaron Rodgers or somebody mm-hmm. like that so some, absolutely sometimes you just need a little break and yeah, and you know, um, I, I there's a guy I go to this like chiropractor in Charlotte who's who's a friend of mine, and and he he works on some of the Panthers players, and he's like, dude, they're all hurt all the time, all the time. They're, Everyone's like, they, injured. They're yeah. all injured. You know, like they're and they and people don't like the, you know, the the fans almost like, oh, he should play. You know, what he's got. They have no idea. He should play through that. He's making all this money. Get out. Get you know. Get out there and play. You know. But I'm like, dude, they are their bodies are just getting wrecked, you know, and it doesn't matter how much money you're making. You're, you're a human being, you know, like you can only take so much you know, physical abuse out there. So, um, I'm with you, man. I'm like, you know, when these, when you see these younger retirements, I'm all, like, Andrew Luck, I'm like, dude, absolutely, man. Well, it's like Gronk. Like putting, People are like, Oh, Gronk's going to come back. It's like, no, he shouldn't come back. He shouldn't like, come back. did he you might, hear, he did you hear him talk about how he just, he was in tears at the end of that? Like he was in so much pain. This is a gladiator in so much pain. He's in tears because his hip is dislocated. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you understand what a dislocated hip is. Like these, these guys are just, they're, yeah. they're warriors, you know? And I just, uh, that's one thing I, I, I'd like to, see people become a little more appreciative and understanding of these guys and you know they i've always thought this you know of course they get paid a ton of money but you know a lot of that in my opinion is you know they're getting paid for the work they put in to get there you know these guys sacrificed a lot um i know they're gifted you know they're great athletes gronk and not, not everybody's built like gronk you know um or whatever but um you know they put in a lot of work to get there they made a lot of sacrifices to get there and uh and, you know, and the market is there. Like, they, they should get that money. You know, who else is going to get it? Well, so, if it's generating, you know, billions, billions of dollars, dollars it's, you know, it's so, fine to give them $50 million yeah, every so now when, and then. When one of these guys retires at age 30 because, you know, they're just wrecked. They're and at they, their peak. They just yeah. don't want to, you know, they can't do it anymore. I'm, I think it's, I'm all for it. Go for it. Yeah. You know, like, do you. I agree. I agree. Hopefully, well, well wishes to Cam Newton. Paul, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so awesome. much. Looking forward to the show tonight. Um where can everybody uh, get the coffee? Where can they keep up with you? Yeah, uh, well, you can find me on Instagram. Paul B T Bam is the uh, what do they call it? Like the uh, the handle? The handle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Niner Niner. Handle, yeah, handle is, is Paul B T Bam. Um, coffee uh, nightflyerroastworks dot com. Um, you can buy some beans on there. Um, if you're in the Charlotte area for whatever reason, the, our cafe is called Queen City Grounds. And um, Night Flyer actually roasts the coffee on site. So depending on what day you come in, you might see the coffee being roasted. 
um, so you can get sort of the full experience, what we call seed to cup. So you can see the uh. kind of the raw coffee seed turn into essentially a, a cup of coffee. That's um, cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are that's really all I got going on, you know. The band, coffee, that's about it. Grab a cup. <laughs> Grab a cup. Enjoy and, it. And, and listen to the new uh, Great Misdirect uh, remaster. That's right. Available now, <laughs> streaming everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, brother. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, get you to sound check, man. All Thank right, you very thanks much. Thanks a lot, Justin. Yeah, Appreciate man. it.